Jesus is enough. Welcome to Grace Walk Radio. I'm your host, Derek Lewandowski, and I'm here, as always, most of the time, unless he's watching a much more important Liverpool game on his cell phone while I'm preaching. Or Were you actually doing an update? Were you literally looking at an update on Liverpool? I, I'm not going to comment on that. Are they playing right now? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> they, they unveiled their new jerseys. Okay. <laughs> So was that? Is that what they you, look good? Uh, you literally had a Liverpool guy on your yeah. New cell uniforms phone. are out today. Don't don't worry. This will be the last Sunday <laughs> uh, for the season. Wow. They play at eleven, and it's kind of do or die. So I I might, but it's only going to offend Mike. Did so. I just did I just have a word of knowledge? I hope not. <laughs> Uh, anyway, it, it's Caleb Berg. Howdy. The biggest Liverpool, Liverpool fan. Liverpool? In, in Liverpool. The biggest Liverpool fan in Western. <laughs> this show is not going well. Uh, let's keep it going, though. Let's, maybe it'll get back on track here. Uh, welcome, Caleb. How are you doing today? I'm doing pretty good. All right. How are you? I am better than I deserve to be theologically accurate. So, but we are not here alone. Yeah. Did you notice? I noticed. There is someone else here. And could, it, could the audience see, though? That's the question. And it's not just the Holy Spirit or, <laughs> or uh, the, the Liverpool player on your cell phone. We want to welcome here on the uh, Grace Walk radio podcast today, Kelsey Lehman. And, I, and I, I'm very careful about using that last name correctly because she just got married. Woo-hoo. And we've known her for years as Kelsey Hill, but she's now married to... Uh, Garrett, so congratulations on your you. on your wedding. And Kelsey uh, is a sister in Christ who works here with us at Grace Life Church. She's involved in campus ministry. She's got a, a wide variety of experiences in ministry. For years, was involved with a ministry called Campus Target. Can I talk about that on the air? Yeah, okay. uh, just use Asia. <laughs> okay, she was involved with a group called Campus Target in Asia, where they um, you know went to some of the unreached peoples there mm-hmm. in. Southeast Asia, and yep. I'm sorry, I'm narrowing it down now. No, it's all right. <laughs> and uh, uh, would work, you know, on college campuses and in different contexts where young adults gathered. And mm-hmm. now you, you primarily used uh, English as a way of developing yeah. relationships with uh, yeah. young people in that country. It was probably easier to build connections using English than it would have been if we'd all learned uh, their native language, um, just because there's a real fascination with American culture and um, in their country, uh, the way to get ahead in your career is to learn English and get a great job with an international company if you can. Um, and so everyone wants to learn English and practice English, and we rolled up as native English speakers. Um, and so really great way to just start having conversations about really anything that we could and mm. often led to spiritual conversations. And so really cool way to do ministry over there. Yeah, so many amazing testimonies over the years you know, from that ministry. Mm-hmm. And I love the, uh, some of the video I'd seen of like baptizing in the bathtub. Yeah. And, <laughs> so, so cool, and it's, and it's amazing that... Uh, you were right in the middle of that, both on stateside and in Asia. Yeah. Um, and uh, but now she's here in in uh, the U.S. and uh, she now works uh, with uh, a local campus as a campus minister, and and uh, she's part of our Grace Life team here, and and uh, does a great job reaching college students, and uh, so a lot going on with you. Yeah. And we want to welcome you to the welcome you to Grace Walk Radio. Thank you very much. So um, let's just start by talking about, you know, how did you come to Christ? And, and then maybe 
Uh, as a second part of that story, how did you get involved in ministry? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, so I gave my life to Christ in high school. I grew up attending church, but grew up in a non-believing family. Um, going to church was very much a cultural thing for my parents at that time. Uh, they've since given their lives to the Lord, which is awesome. Um, but grew up going to church, didn't talk about God at all. So I was pretty skeptical. Um, I just, when I found out Santa wasn't real, I took that kind of hard. And so in my mind, it was easy to equate that to the Lord where it was like, okay, so there's this invisible man I can't see who is benevolent and kind. And if I'm a good person, he'll give me good things. And if I'm a bad person, he'll give me bad things. And for some reason, I'm just supposed to believe all of this is real, even though Santa turned out not Mm. to be real. So I was, I was just kind of skeptical and it's a simple thing, you know, in a kid's mind to equate that to Santa, but that's where I was at. Um, sometime in high school though, started attending young life and, uh, just felt really welcomed by everyone there, even though I brought all my skeptical questions and over the course of time, just feeling that love that they had for all of us kids who were there, um, started to soften my heart. And so I would ask more questions about the Lord and eventually was just kind of realized, wow, the love that you guys are showing me, you're telling me that that's the same love that God has for me. Mm. And it just melted my heart. I was like, I need this. Like, I want this. I want this love in my life no matter where I go for the rest of my life. And so gave my life to the Lord. Um, but again, still was in a mostly unbelieving family at that time. Didn't have any Christian friends to speak of, so through high school kind of just stumbled my way through my walk with the Lord Um, and got to college and tried to stay involved with, you know, Christian clubs and stuff. Where was this? What college? uh, So this was out in Ohio, a college called Ohio Wesleyan. Okay. The name is misleading. It wasn't a Christian school. (laughs) I knew that going in, but uh, they did offer, you know, religion classes, including, you know, Old Testament, New Testament. So I signed up for some of those, but they were taught from a secular perspective Mm. and that kind of rocked my faith a lot. Um, But, you know, I was involved in other Bible studies and groups and, but the one group, you know, most of the kids there were sleeping with each other. And so I'm like, I feel like this isn't right. Mm. Uh, for believers. And so that was also kind of shaking to my faith. And then my other Bible study uh, was kind of a discussion group. And there's a bunch of stories I could tell, but it was led by some people who are not very theologically sound, but they Mm. were, you know, seminary professors. And Mm. so it was hard for me to equate what I thought to be true, um, you know, but someone in position was telling me something different. And so Mm. the whole experience out there in Ohio was very shaking in general. And Mm. so I found myself in a place in college where I just didn't know if I had, if I could justify my faith, like, is what I believe real? How do I know it's real? Um, how can I prove it to myself and others, you know, on a daily basis, just to really walk out a relationship with God. And so I actually ended up dropping out of that college after like a semester and a half because I was having panic attacks Mm -hmm. daily. And that was, uh, I think, symptomatic of Mm -hmm. my my faith crisis at the time um, and a couple other things as well. But I came home and over my college experience, uh, it was just 
cool to see my walk with the Lord deepening for the first time. You know, I went all through high school walking with him best I knew how, but I had no scriptural foundation, had no theological foundation. Um, And so when I got into college, the Lord really blessed me with solid Christian friends and solid preaching. This is what college is? Uh, So, well, I bounced around a lot. (laughs) Um, After Ohio Wesleyan, I ended up at GCC in Batavia. Um, And then... Brockport for a hot second okay. <laughs> and finally finished my bachelor's at Roberts Wesleyan. Okay. But and, and is this where you found more Christian friends? Yeah. Okay. Well, actually, even at GCC, the okay. Lord really blessed me. And so I do think that a lot of my passion for college ministry comes from my own experiences in college. Mm-hmm. It was such a, in a lot of ways, traumatic time for me, but yeah. also mm-hmm. such a powerful time in my faith. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you know, my first three colleges that I went to were all secular and was really shaped by that. And the Lord really broke my heart for the kids around me who didn't know the Lord and were going through similar things as I was. Um, And so I would say even as soon as my time at GCC, the Lord was starting to put ministry on my heart Hmm. and uh, kind of felt called to missions within that as well. And so that led to me going with Campus Target, Mm -hmm. um, sharing the gospel in Asia with college students there. Um, and so I, looking back it, it's like, yeah, the Lord really lined up a lot of things in my life to give me a heart for that college age group. And so it's kind of a dream come true to get to do ministry to college students in the context of a local church. So, you know, your story, a good part of it, I think is probably typical of a lot of American young people who have encountered religion, but not really encountered Christ because I'm amazed as I hear your story because all this stuff came to you in the name of Christ, or at least Christendom, you know, so all these, all this stuff came in the Christian box and it wasn't even really, it wasn't even really Christian. It had no power or or it was, it was a a counterfeit. And so uh, it's just amazing to see in the midst of all that, what could have been confusing Mm -hmm. because you, you, you know, a lot of people would say, well, I tried Christianity Mm -hmm. and they they didn't really, They, they might've gotten the type of stuff you're talking about, like um, stuff that came in the name of Jesus or in the name of Christianity, but wasn't Christianity at all. It was hypocrisy. It was false teaching. It was, it was just, you know, ritualism or or dead religion. So can, can you talk about like, well, first of all, I just want to just note just the amazing grace of the Holy Spirit to pull you through all that, you know, into the true faith and the true gospel, um, which, which is hopeful because I do think there's a lot of I think there's a lot of uh, people, and especially young adults, who have that experience and maybe haven't been pulled through yet. But could right. you talk about the difference between, you know, cultural Christianity and and real Christianity, and what are some of the differences, you know, now that you're on this side of it? Right. What are some of the differences that you would point out? Yeah, I a big one that comes to mind immediately is just scriptural foundation. Mm. You know, it's easy to show up at church on a Sunday and hear a message. I think it's common these days to hear a message that's maybe a lot more topical or even Mm -hmm. practical. I've been at churches where the message they preach on Sunday is really about time management more than anything else, but there's (laughs) scriptures that are, yeah, but there's scriptures that are, you know, kind of cherry picked out to kind of support this message of time management. And so, um, I think that, uh, having an exegetical sermon is like a really powerful thing that you don't find a lot of times. And so one of the big things for me that helped me through that journey was, um, yeah, just finding 
like basing my life on scripture, not mm. trying to use scripture to justify my lifestyle. Right. Um, and another one that comes to mind, I think a lot of people have experiences in churches where they think that people just want you to show up and put on a good face. Mm-hmm. You know, they want you to look like the cookie cutter, good person, mm-hmm. but there's no real accountability beyond that. Right. Um, and so I think shallow relationships is something that can be really damaging in, you know, when you're having a crisis of faith at all, but especially in that young adult period, it's really easy to avoid accountability. You only see people on Sundays, you know? And so on Sundays you come, you put on the good face, you volunteer, Mm -hmm. you do whatever. And then the rest of the... Even in good churches. Right, exactly. Um, And so, you know, I definitely found over the course of my college career that the more I actually had deep fellowship with people Mm. outside of the church um, and hung out at the houses of some ladies from my church throughout Mm. the week and actually had real conversations about where I was at in life. um, They got to see the real me and I learned over time, they don't just want to see the, you know, the shiny facade of Mm -hmm. like Kelsey at her best, like, but they want to actually know me and it's okay to struggle. It's, you don't have to put on a face and just learning that real life change happens when you share your life with people Mm -hmm. and they can speak scripture over you. And again, just building your life on a scriptural foundation. So it sounds like, it it sounds like the door for you and like that the main difference came down Mm -hmm. to um, the gospel and Mm -hmm. like a, a legitimate authentic gospel expression. So like, you know, couple words we like to use around here, orthodoxy and orthopraxy, like correct belief, Mm -hmm. which brings your heart and your mind into the right place before God and and how how you're justified before God. And then the the working out of that in in a culture of people and the relationships, you know, real Christian relationships where somebody has a vision for Mm -hmm. your spiritual health and your spiritual formation. Um, I think those two things together, it sounds like made made a difference in your life. You know, going back to something we were talking about, Caleb, even off the air before we started, um, just the whole idea of belonging before believing, um, and and how important that is, and it almost mm-hmm. you know it almost sounds like um, you know that that was part of your experience as well, just mm-hmm. the relational part of it, and how uh, we can't simply create a church that's an insiders club where you know hopefully you fall in line with our traditions and our culture, and and if you do, then you can become an insider. Well. People were immediately insiders with Jesus, right. prostitutes and drunkards and tax collectors, and uh, and I think that I think that's a, a radical mark of the true Christian faith is uh, we don't create this uh, you know this insiders club where you got to buy stock in our organization before you can attend the meetings or you know really be in with the people in the organization. We should be the friend of sinners, and we should be you know we should create a culture where people literally belong to us before they even believe and, and that that's a bridge to God. Yeah. I think, you know, like considering, um, some of the generational differences, you know, uh, jokingly had this conversation with Chanel last night. Um, I, I now belong to a category that's called geriatric millennials. I'm, <laughs> Is I'm that very, real? It's very real. And I'm very <laughs> proud of it because I'm not a millennial. Um, but I'm, I'm in that age group in between born between 1980 and 1985. So I kind of belong to this different group. I'm not, you know, I'm not exactly the same as as, uh, the others. But because of that, I do notice that there's been differing 
um, thought patterns when it comes to how we relate in church and things like that. So like my, the previous generation before me, like my, my, well, even before that, like my parents' generation. So they're baby boomers, they're boomers. Um, and you know, like looking at them, like I think not, not speaking of my parents specifically, but that generation, there was a sense, um, especially in some of these like more seeker sensitive movements that the superficial was enough. Mm-hmm. Like you didn't really want the church invasive in your life beyond, um, Sunday morning. And so it's, it's okay to walk in and have the smile and be like, how you doing? I'm doing fine. How are you doing? I'm doing fine. Right. You know, and that was enough. Right. But I, I do think that as generations have come, you know, whether we are the geriatric millennials or, genera- or the next generation millennials um, or even Generation Z or whatever mm-hmm. my daughter's generation is called. I don't know that one yet, but um, there's this sense that that's not enough. And right. even like listening to your story, like there's a lot in there that I think kind of echoes that, that, that superficialness that was so prevalent in church movements and, and whatever, right. it's just not enough. Right. And, you know, it is something that we have to fight. Like even here at Grace Life, there is that tendency to be like, I'm all right, I'm all right. You know, I'm doing good. I'm just happy to be here, that kind of thing. Um, we do see it more in group life where mm-hmm. people kind of let their guard down and mm-hmm. it's like, yeah, this week was pretty terrible. And, you know, we, we share our frailties. We share the, the sins that even we've yeah. struggled with throughout the week. And um, there's there's deeper sense of relational, you know, connection in that. Um, being on campus, even now, like modern, we're talking present day, even in COVID, um, do you find that one of the things that holds back people from <clears throat> deeper church connection is the superficialness of it all? I do think so. And I think I would even back out a little bit from that and just call it in general isolation, which mm. we were also talking a little bit about before this, um, before the podcast today. I think that these days people are isolated in more ways than one, and COVID certainly hasn't helped that. But you look at the... Uh, Generation Z right now, and Barna has done studies that show about 75% of people's friends these days, they say they've met online within Generation Z. And so a lot of their friends, they don't even know in person. And so you can message online, but you're not actually doing life with people. Um, And so, yeah, I think that isolation and not being fully known, that kind of superficiality um, is definitely something that is not just keeping people back from an authentic relationship with Christ, but just a just something that people struggle with in general. I can't tell you the students I yeah. talk with who say that they feel lonely or yeah. isolated. Yeah, yeah, I, I think that kind of broadens the the ministry then that needs to take place into. Um, more more than just like inviting people to quote unquote church mm-hmm. um, you know there's probably a, a podcast series in itself like what is church right. uh, it's it's not the building um, but like inviting people to our gatherings uh, mm-hmm. is the term we like to use here um, is probably it's good you know mm-hmm. you do want to invite people to the gatherings but if we look at it as kind of like that professional move like right. I'll, I'll invite them to the gathering and then it's up to the pastor to you know get mm-hmm. them connected or get them saved or, you know, whatever, do the work right. of ministry. Um, going to them mm-hmm. is, is more necessary. Right. And inviting them into life yeah. is probably going to help a lot more for these people who are so disconnected. Right. I think one of the 
things I was so thankful for in my time with Campus Target is just the value for relational ministry. Sometimes we call it life-on-life discipleship. Mm -hmm. Um, But that's just getting coffee with someone. No agenda. Like, Mm. you're not... Yeah, if you end up reading the Bible or discussing it, that's great. But go have coffee with someone. Go share a meal with someone. And even more so than in a small group, people really take their guard down Mm. because it's apparent, hey, I'm interested in you. Mm. Like, I want to hear about your life, what's going on with you. And that's when people, it's just that much easier to share your heart. Even like churches, you know, kind of you stay superficial. Groups, you get a little deeper. But even that Mm one-on-one, tell me how your day is going. um, That's when people can really let their guard down. Well, and I think you being in a foreign culture Mm -hmm. um, and context where public meetings um, had to be more discreet or if allowed at all in certain places, um, it, it forced kingdom life outside of what mm-hmm. we in the West would think is the primary context for kingdom life, which is right. the Sunday service or the gathering. Yeah. Um, you know, in some ways, I'm jealous over you know, the experiences that you've had living out your faith outside of that primary, primary organizing structure that the West is so yeah. obsessed with. Um, you know, you've had to, as you've mentioned, learn how to like bring the kingdom to somebody in the context of a one-on-one relationship or a small group relationship or right. a hosp- you know, just hospitality. Mm-hmm. Um, and in, in some ways it's like there's these gaps people have to cross, right? In order to come to Christ, there's the, um, there's the relational gap. Mm-hmm. There's the, the cultural gap, especially yeah. if your culture is, you have to come to our gathering and understand our, Right. traditions in our culture in order to really be in. Right. And then there's the gospel gap. Mm-hmm. So whatever gaps we can cross and make it easier for people to come to Christ, yeah. if we can cross the gap to them, mm-hmm. you know, the relational gap, even the gospel gap in a private conversation or, yeah. you know, outside of a uh, just a Sunday gathering, not to say that those aren't incredibly useful mm-hmm. um, in certain ways, um, but that's the missionary heart, right? Is to go to the person. And, um, you know, I think your experiences in Asia really have prepared you, you know, for the type of ministry that you're, you're facing in college life. Yeah, absolutely. Um, can you talk about some of the challenges, you know, what are some of the main challenges that um, college students have today in general? Um, I, I think in general in life, but also just mm-hmm. in coming to Christ, what are some of the barriers? Yeah, um, I would say, you know, we talked about the isolation Um, another big struggle I see in probably most college kids today to one degree or another is just anxiety. You know, I talked about it with myself, um, and it presents itself in a lot of different ways. It could be anxiety about friendships. Most often I would say it's anxiety about the future. Um, I think today more now than ever, you see students really anxious about what job am I going to have when Mm. I get out of college and, I think there's probably a couple reasons for that. I think number one, college costs so much these days mm. that it's like, how am I going to pay off this debt? Like I need a job where I can pay off my debt from college. Yeah. But it's also, you look at majors these days, they're so hyper-specific that, okay, because I'm spending money on this, I can't spend two years figuring out what I want to do mm-hmm. for a major. I need to decide now because it's so specific. And I need to make sure, you know, off the bat that, this is exactly what I want to do with my life and I'm going to be able to pay it off down the road. Um, And so I think within that anxiety, it's kind of symptomatic of like 
idols when it comes down to it. When you really boil it down to it, I am trusting money for my security in the future. Mm -hmm. I'm trusting my ability to provide for myself. Or when I see people with anxiety about friendships or romantic relationships, it's I'm putting my security and my trust in these people. Like these people are what's going to keep me secure moving forward. And so I definitely wouldn't say that there's not real um, chemical issues with mental illness. I think Mm -hmm. that's um, very real. And I think there's other factors like social media and Mm -hmm. anxiety and mental health issues. Um, But when it comes down to it, a lot of the fear and anxieties I see in college students, it comes down to where does my security come from? Mm. And when anxiety is taking over your life, a lot of times it has to do with um, chasing an idol. Like Mm -hmm. I'm trusting the wrong thing for my security. Mm. Well, Jesus said in John 6, verse 35, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. So Jesus, Jesus is the, the, the bread, the sustaining bread of life that we need every day. And, you know, we live in a culture now where um, there's all kinds of bread being offered to right. yeah. students and, and uh, things that don't satisfy. Right. Uh, you know, what are some of the... What are some of the cultural challenges mm-hmm. um, that you know keep students eating that wrong bread and keep students from you know from really considering Jesus as the bread of life? Right. I mean, I think one thing is just there are so many options on the table. You yeah. know, we have social media, we have widespread information sharing these days, and so there are so many worldviews out there. And some of these worldviews didn't exist thirty years ago. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, so there's different religions to consider that are probably more widely talked about. There's, um, but there's also just issues with identity. There's all sorts of beliefs you could have, worldviews you could have now. And because we live in such a postmodern world, people really have the idea of you can believe whatever you want to believe as long as, um, as long as you're not hurting me, and as mm-hmm. long as uh, you know you're not. Yeah, you're not telling me what to believe either. And so I think that with so many worldviews available, um, there is just a, well, what do I believe then? Like, I could believe this, and without a scriptural foundation or the ability to defend why is Christianity true, why is Jesus Mm -hmm. the way, the truth, and the life, um, there's just a lot to choose from, and I think that it's, People want to taste and experience them all mm-hmm. um, or, you know, just want to dabble in all of them and not really choose one. So I think that's one thing that probably keeps people away. So throw a dart at the wall <laughs> and then draw a bullseye around it wherever it lands. Right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, truth is uh, malleable today, mm-hmm. right? It's, it's, right. it's subjective. And right. Your truth, my truth. And Jesus says, yeah. you know, I am the truth. Mm-hmm. So um, what are some of the challenges that you face and the, and the, you know, the other young adults that you're working with or, or, uh, you know, different ministries you've connected with, Mm -hmm. what are some of the challenges you face in bringing the gospel to college students? Yeah, I think, um, finding those arenas where we can build authentic relationships with them is a challenge. Uh, in Asia, I can just walk up on a college campus and people flock to me because I look different and they assume I speak English. Um, but you walk on a college campus in America and it's like, 
you're kind of old and you look like me, so I'm not right. really that interested. Um, although I did just shave half my head, so maybe. I see that. Maybe I know, yeah. I'm tr- rocking my new do here. <laughs> that, um, that should help cross the, do- the right, culture gap. Right. <laughs> so I think finding those arenas to authentically connect with people is a challenge. Um, and there's great people on the campus I'm working on who are, who are finding those ways. I think a lot of it comes down to food. College students will never turn down a free meal. And so there's a church in Geneseo doing dollar dinners on Mm -hmm. Wednesday nights. And so people show up, they have a good home cooked meal for a dollar. Can't beat that when you're in college. Um, Sports comes to mind as another great way to just genuinely connect with people, having fun with them. Um, And so I think again, when we talk about bridging that gap and, crossing those barriers, I think a big one that gets in the way is just where do we go to connect with them Mm -hmm. and how do we do that in a way that's authentic and not weird and I'm not holding my Bible on a street corner with a megaphone. Mm -hmm. Um, And so just finding ways to authentically connect, I think, is a big challenge. Um, Maybe in closing, could you talk to to college, Christian young person going to college? Yeah. Uh, What would you say to them uh, are some of the important things they need to consider as they head into mm. that environment. And I know not all colleges are the same, right. but you know, unless you're specifically going to mm-hmm. a Bible college, right. good chance you're going to encounter radical progressivism right. and liberalism. It's sometimes even in quote-unquote Christian schools today. Right. So um, you know, it's a very challenging environment today. Right. And um, so what, like, what would you say to a Christian young person heading off to college? Yeah. I would say, first thing, find community, find your Christian community. And if at all possible, make sure you know that there's going to be that community there before you choose a school. Um, If that means visiting the area and looking at different churches. Mm -hmm. Um, But the struggle I found in my time at my school in Ohio was just, I was like, oh, there's Christian clubs. I'm going to be fine. But I got there and realized that's really not the case. Um, And so... Yeah, I would say make sure there's a church community or a club that you trust um, their values and their theology. Um, But find community and stay in community um, is a big one. But even more than that, uh, just develop a love for the word. Mm -hmm. You know, learn, you know, you're coming out of high school. Chances are you're not a theological expert, but that doesn't mean you can't start learning how to read and study the Bible yourself. Um, and I think that's huge. Um, a struggle I had was I didn't know how to back up what I believed. And so it was Mm. really hard to keep reminding myself of truth when it was challenged because I just didn't have real good reasons for Mm. why I believed what I believed. I'm just like, I'm just pretty sure that this is the right (laughs) thing. Um, so stay in community, stay in the word, learn to, use a Greek concordance and mm-hmm. look up those words you don't understand in scripture. Um, but you, there's nothing stopping you from becoming an expert in theology. Just read good books, read the word itself. Don't get lost in only reading commentaries or devotionals, like read the word itself um, and keep it in your heart. It's almost like a, a Christian young person, just like they're going off to college level academics mm-hmm. they need to they need to go to a college level understanding yeah. of the gospel yeah. and of truth absolutely you know, and I've, I've told my uh my kids when you're picking where you're going to college mm-hmm. the local church that you're going to attend mm-hmm. is actually more important to your right. mother and i 
than the college that right. you're going to attend. Absolutely. And so, like, the college might check all the boxes, but if it doesn't mm-hmm. have a strong gospel-centered local church, absolutely, we're we're not going to be really excited about yep. you going there. Absolutely. Because um, that's so important. Well, Kelsey, thanks so much for sharing your testimony today and sharing you know your ministry and what you're doing. And Caleb, maybe could we pray and, and pray specifically? Um, for I think some of the challenges that Kelsey and you know a lot of campus ministries face today, with the, the context of where the gospel is brought to them. Yeah. <clears throat> Father, we do thank you for Kelsey and uh, her work here uh, with Grace Life and at the the college campus here, and uh, I just thank you that you've brought her brought her our way, and what a tremendous blessing she is to our body. And I just ask that you would bless her ministry that you would uh, continue to give her opportunities. We do ask that, uh, Father, for those who are listening who might also be interested in in college ministry and young adult ministry, that uh, you would help us to just find uh, direction, find uh, open doors with that, and just give us opportunities to present the gospel to people who may not have even heard the gospel before. Uh, lead us by your Holy Spirit into the, the arenas that we uh, can find uh, to share Christ with those who don't know you. And uh, I just ask that you would uh, give us um, even just peace with our communities so that it's not such an antagonistic thing as society might paint today that um, we're, we're trying to trample their truth or something like that. I don't know. But uh, just give us the ability to exist um, in the same spheres in peace and uh, to be able to continue to bring the gospel to those who don't know you yet. And uh, I just thank you for all that you're doing. Uh, thank you for all that you're doing in our, our college ministry here. And in Jesus' name, amen. 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 Thanks for listening today. This show and all of our podcasts are brought to you by That Vacation Company. You can follow along with That Vacation Company on Instagram or Twitter at That Vacation Co. And also they have an awesome podcast. So thanks for listening today, and until next time, as always, remember, Jesus is enough. My name is Mike Tucker. I'm an elder in process here at Grace Life. I want to welcome you this morning and in, in, uh, encourage you to, uh, to say that your sins are forgiven. We're going to be uh, back in Ephesians uh, as we begin this morning. Uh, in the series in him and we're going to be looking at Ephesians 5 22 through 33 before we get there though I want like to tell you a couple of stories um, Frank and Ann attended a marriage a weekend marriage conference and they sat and listened to the instructor say it's essential that husbands and wives know the things that are important to each other and then the instructor addressed the